passion and pageantry of college football lives here. This is the Paul Feinbaum Show, our one podcast. This might be college football heaven. And we are we are ready to roll here. Uh, and yes, yes, yes. Can't wait for the uh, show. Thanks so much for making time for us. And uh, we look forward to uh, getting started, which we will immediately with uh, a lot of headlines. How about this? Florida State has called for a special meeting amid an uncertain future. Where, where have we heard that before? Florida State. Florida State's board will meet tomorrow. Uh, will this be the time that they actually do something or more bloviating from a board that uh, <laughs> doesn't seem like it can shoot straight? Uh, remember back in August, the board had the meeting where they essentially said, we are putting the ACC on notice. You have to wonder if that came back to haunt them a couple of months later when they needed the ACC support did they really get much of it? Not really. The uh, SEC commissioner was all over television and radio campaigning for his schools. The Big Ten, the, uh, Big Ten commissioner didn't need to. His, his team was uh, already in the tournament. And the ACC commissioner, Jim Phillips, said, we'll let the events speak for themselves. The next day, he called the move, sending Florida State to the Orange Bowl as opposed to the CFP unfathomable. We have no comment from the commissioner on what tomorrow's move could mean. We'll talk to Nicole Arabach, who has done a deep dive into this a little bit later on. Meanwhile, National Signing Day, of course, has come and gone. And this man who has been number one all along ended number one. Kirby Smart, Alabama, a close second. Dan Lanning, formerly of both schools, at third. Florida was number three. They finished in the ESPN poll, number 13. They actually finished in the 24-7 poll, number 16. Billy Napier picked, retained two massive commitments on the final day, but it was what he lost is what everybody in college football is talking about today. Charlie Baker. encouraged athletes to make your voice heard. Thank you, Charlie. Now you can go back to sleep. Nicole will join us in a couple of minutes. Brad Crawford on recruiting and Archbishop Marino later on. And your phone calls here at 855-242-7285. Let's start with John in Georgia. You're on the air. Hey, John. Hello. Good afternoon. Uh, yes. Am I talking to Paul now? That is correct. Okay. Well, I was going to mention that I called about three years ago, and I, I told uh, Paul they didn't need the new coach. Everybody wanting a new coach for Georgia because Kirby Smart couldn't win the big game. I said, you don't need a new coach. You need a new offensive coordinator. Well, that offensive coordinator must have heard what I said because uh, all of a sudden 
Georgia didn't lose any more games for three years. <laughs> yeah, well, you know what? The That's same so offensive good. coordinator that won those two titles is not there anymore. Right. That's true. I understand what you're saying. But, uh, yeah, but the thing about it is he straightened out. Remember, uh, the quarterback was throwing – and hitting linemen in their hands, and they were intercepting and blocking all his passes. He couldn't get them out. His name was Simpson Bennett. Yeah, I do remember and, him. And he was, for, he was from Blackshear, Georgia, where I'm sitting right here next to it. That's where I taught school. But uh, what did uh, John, is, John, what did you teach? Uh, chemistry, physics, and general science. Oh, my goodness. That's above me. That's yeah, above my intelligence 50 level. Fifty something years ago. That's amazing. Yeah, well, well, that's uh, uh, they had two new schools built since then. I bet. Yeah, but uh, the thing about it is, they that offensive coordinator's left now. But I know they got a good one now because Mike Bobo. I watched him play at Georgia, and he was a real good quarterback. And uh, the thing about it is. 60 years is a long time to be watching football. And I watched a lot of bad teams and a lot of good teams. But but they straightened it out now. And, they sure uh, did. And, uh, they've, got, they've got themselves an Orange Bowl day with Florida State, John. Right. And I'm not uh, ashamed at all of Florida State. I think they're a real good team. And they could have been in the playoff just the same as the others. Yeah, but, but they're in the wrong they league. Hey, John, thanks for the call. Appreciate it. Pat is up next. Uh, hey, Pat. Hey, Paul, thank you very much. Merry Christmas and a happy new year. And I'm looking forward to listening to Archbishop Marino later on today. Uh, Georgia finished number one in, in, in the classes. And, and so I think recruits aren't worried about the direction of Georgia and then Alabama, uh, Florida dropped out of it, uh, I don't know what that's going to say about Billy Napier. And I'm wondering uh, with what Florida State is, uh, what they're saying about wanting to get out of the ACC, I wonder what the Orange Bowl is going to look like. Well, the Orange Bowl already looks pretty bad. Uh, A number of key players have have bailed out. So uh, Florida State is in flux right now. Uh, Almost nothing is going right. Hey, thank you for the call. Appreciate it. Bash is up next. Good afternoon, Bash. Good afternoon, Paul. Happy holidays. How is your day going so far? Fantastic. That is great to hear. So yesterday, Paul, that was my bad. That was terrible call quality. I'm, I apologize, and let's move on from it. I was going to ask you yesterday, by the way, that was a great call you had with John from St. Louis. I don't even think the Pope had more patience than you gave that man. <laughs> so to keep these Missouri fans happy and to keep this – trend going i just want to ask you paul with the upcoming cotton bowl game a week from now who do you think is going to win between mizzou and the ohio state buckeyes well i always like the team in the bowl game that wants to be there and that's missouri i don't think ohio state has much interest whatsoever chris is up next hey chris good afternoon hey paul how are you we are well thank you so uh (laughs) I'm excited to see uh, how the conference turns today to find out what's what's the next thing for Florida State and their uh, amnesia t- storyline there with the ACC. But um, I was thinking that, you know, we can't really speculate too much, but what do you think would happen if Florida State says, hey, we're heading out, 
do you think the ACC is gonna is gonna disband or like where do you think where do you think they would scatter? Well, uh, that's a major uh, topic we'll have in a minute with with Nicole. But you know, there are really only th- as I see it, only three choices uh, or four. I guess they could be an independent, which would be uh, yeah. suicidal. They you know, they have the I yeah. think their I think their preference would be the SEC or the Big Ten. I feel comfortable in uh, in in characterizing how the where the SEC is right now, and they're not seemingly in 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 a mode to expand anymore. Uh, people yeah. I talk to in the Big Ten feel to say the same thing. They, they just they just took in four new schools. Why would they want Florida State? Yeah, I I, I agree. I mean, where where would they go? I mean, and and anymore the way the conferences are aligned, it doesn't really geography doesn't really matter anymore. Maybe maybe some Mountain West or uh, yeah. you know. well, I mean there there is the there is there is the Big Twelve, uh, but. Does Florida State want to leave the ACC, which does have prestige, to be in the same league with UCF, Cincinnati? Yeah, I, I wouldn't think so. But you know, stranger things have happened, right? People get people get their nose out of joint, and they'll cut that nose off just to spite their face. Yeah, no, I, right? I, I think I think like uh, we really were sitting around talking about this. Uh, the Big Twelve would be the only conference that would probably even return their call right now. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I can't see the SEC after everything that's flown and been said. I can't yeah. see the SEC, or, or especially the SEC, but even even the Big Ten will be like, mm, we don't really need that. Well, well the you Big know, Ten, one thing to remember about the Big Ten, uh, they're very snooty about their academics, and Florida, yeah, State, yeah. Florida State's academics are perfectly fine for what they offer in Tallahassee, Florida, but they, they, would, they would stand out with everyone in the Big Ten except one school. And we'll take a break. We have a lot to do. We uh, hope you'll stick around. You're listening to the Paul Feinbaum Show podcast. Is your schedule too packed to see a doctor about your erectile dysfunction? Well, with Hims, now you can get treated for ED without stepping foot outside your door. They're changing men's health care by providing access to affordable sexual health treatments from the comfort of your couch. Hims provides access to doctor-trusted ED treatment options such as chewable hard mints, brand-name treatments like Viagra, or generic alternatives for up to 95% cheaper. The process is simple and entirely online. Just answer a series of questions and a medical provider will determine the right treatment option. If prescribed, your medication ships to you free. No insurance needed. So what are you waiting for? Join the hundreds of thousands of trusted Hims subscribers and get treated. Start your free online visit today at hymns.com slash Paul. That's H-I-M-S.com slash Paul for your personalized ED treatment options. Hymns.com slash Paul. Hardments are chewable compounded products which are not approved by or verified for safety or effectiveness by the FDA. Prescriptions require an online consultation with a healthcare provider who will determine if appropriate. Restrictions apply. See website for details and important safety information. Subscription required. Price varies on product and subscription plan. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. Nicole Auerbach joining us in a couple of minutes. The latest on FSU. Let's uh, check out 
Wayne in Florida. Hello, Wayne. Hey, sir. Wayne Smith in Florida. How are you? Thank you. Hey, sir. I, I may ramble a little bit. I didn't know I was going to get through. Sir, I'm a big Gator fan. Napier's got to go. Listen, we have we hired him. He talked about all this recruiting crap, okay? I love Mullen. Mullen couldn't recruit, okay? But he told that he could recruit. So we hire a battalion of 40 people, pay them $7 or $8 million, and what do we get? We get a friggin' number 16 class. Well, Napier, good job, buddy. And you coach, hey, we're 11 and 14. Good job. And then you want us to support you? You got to go, buddy. So, Paul, let's start a rumor. He can go to any school in the SEC, but we just want him gone from Florida. Thank you. CK is up next. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. I just want to say I admire all college coaches because with what they're getting, the parents have quit raising their kids. There's no discipline in the homes. If they teach them what they need to know at home, like right from wrong, respect. So it's when they do go. Now, now CK, a uh, quick question. Are you, do you know about every single home and what the discipline is or isn't? No, I do not. I'm just saying as from what it was 30 years ago to what it is now, I know there are, well, let me rephrase it then. Okay. There are a lot of kids that they well, are we, not. we also live in a, in a different world today. Uh, and and you know, I, I have talked to many people of that generation who, even with hardship and even with things that uh, that really were completely wrong, argued that there, the home was the foundation, and that's not the case anymore. And we've all seen it. Uh, we've also seen a lot of progress that that ran contemporaneous to that. So, which one is it? But I think I think the coaches. They take and have a double battle because not only can they they have trouble disciplining the kids because the kid now can say, I'll go in the portal and leave. Well, you're right. Well, no, you're 100% player, right about that. But I also see a, a number of coaches that mostly maintain trouble-free programs. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's a Nick Saban, Kirby Smart. Yeah. They have, I think, very good rapport with their kids but you but you have you uh, you understand i don't want to uh i mean to 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 instill discipline most football players want regimen they want discipline but they also have to respect the head coach and and staff exactly yes sir and they have to be a team player it ain't all just about them no you're right it has to be the team absolutely i agree with that Thank you very much. Thank you. you have a very merry Christmas. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't, I, I don't want to just continue to harp on the same theme every day. But I, but I just spent Saturday evening with a bunch of former Bryant players, and I mean, they're they're guys that are in wheelchairs now, and you know, with walkers, and they're still talking about Coach Bryant, like they're afraid he's going to come out of the grave and. Slap their face. Uh, I mean, that's discipline. It's also respect. And I, I think a lot of the coaches today just don't have that respect. Uh, and I don't know if it's possible to have respect when, when you're considering that. I mean, can you imagine yesterday some of the 
shenanigans that were going on between coaches and players, especially the ones who were desperate to save their classes, uh, what was said on the other end of the phone. And uh, I mean, uh, there, there was a player two years ago who, I, 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 who would have won the Alabama National Championship last year, no doubt. Um, he was a difference maker. He would have been a difference maker in both of their losses. And Saban told a friend of mine that, uh, I'm not getting in that. If, if, if I end up going there, I got no more control of this guy. You have to find a way to nuance. I mean, it's, it's a little bit different than it was two years ago, but uh, that's a big problem. And uh, our friend a minute ago was right about it, but I, but I also think there's more to <laughs> there's more to it coming from the uh, from the home. I mean, there's a lot. There there've been there there've been broken homes for as long as I can live. Uh, I've been alive. Vance is up next. Hey, Paul. Hey there. You, brother, can I be as bold as to say you've kind of been intermittently coughing all week? Are you doing well? I appreciate your uh, your your perception there. <laughs> I'm not uh, trying to be rude. No, no, I'm. Uh, I am as close to well as you can be without sounding well. Well, I guess you can get you a nice green salad, <laughs> and you'll be fine. So anyway, you know, I know that this has been your business and your life, so it might put you in a different category than me. I'm just a Joe Blow college football fan. Have been since I was a little boy. I've liked, liked college football all over the country my whole life. I truly have, even though I was born and raised in Georgia and am a diehard Alabama fan. But my point is, you know, I can't stand Ohio State simply because of their fans. Uh, Jimbo Fisher has turned me off to Texas A&M probably for at least a decade. Well, this Florida State stuff, Paul, this, this is, I mean, number one, it usurped what I think is a much bigger issue, and that is Jim Harbaugh at Michigan. That's completely gone by the wayside. It, it will be back well, in front well, of you soon. Well, and I hope it does because I think it's a much more serious issue, potentially. No, you're right. But, Florida State is really not that important. Oh God! And but this 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 ongoing crying and griping—I mean, it's turning me against a program that, frankly, in the '80s and '90s, I think that them and you and Miami, starting with Miami, really helped shape college football in a whole different way nationally with defensive speed. Absolutely, I they were absolutely very integral, and. Now I'm looking at them, and they got a great coach. I hate rooting against kids, but damn, I, I'm starting to hate sons. Of well, they, they do have a that? really they have a really good coach. Uh, they've got a really good team, but they have a fan base that just can't get over its its own uh, self importance. And well, why? But bringing the government, bringing the government into anything. Well, you, you don't. I mean, but but remember, there, where are those people today? Uh, I don't hear anybody talking, because they moved on to the next uh, firestorm. Um, 
I haven't heard the governor, Governor DeSantis. I haven't heard Senator Scott. I haven't heard the attorney general say one word about the fact that Florida State is now threatening to leave the ACC. Because that's, 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 that's beyond. Anyway, we're up against the break. Speaking of that, we will talk to Nicole Arabak, who has had uh, some great reporting on the subject. She's on next. You're listening to the Paul Feinbaum Show podcast. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. And hey, welcome back. And while most people will be off tomorrow shopping at the mall, celebrating the holidays with family, going to see the newest movies, the Florida State Board of Trustees will be doing what they do best, cause chaos amongst themselves and their fellow members of the ACC. You saw the headline there from... Nicole Arabak's uh, epic inside look yesterday in The Athletic of what has been going on and what could be going on. And Nicole, thanks for making time. I know it's uh, been a busy time for you. We appreciate you being here. So we'll start with the obvious. So what do we expect tomorrow and what could it mean for so many different futures from FSU to the ACC and possibly where they could end up? Yeah, well, it's a good thing that a lot of people are going to be able to watch this because it will be streaming on the FSU website <laughs> uh, because a lot of people will be interested for all of the parties that you just mentioned, plus the other schools that might be that have sent their lawyers to go look at the grant of rights in the ACC and might be waiting to see how successful potential challenge of those grant of rights ends up being because they might want to do it as well. So. Uh, it is a pivotal day. You know, we've all kind of been waiting for actual action because there's a difference between wanting to challenge the grant of rights and try to get out of the ACC and actually doing it. And I do think that people are expecting action taken at this board of trustees meeting, legal action, um, uh, and to see what that means in terms of challenging the grant of rights, what this document says and can do, and if anyone is able to get out of it. Um, I also think we'll probably hear a lot more bluster like we have from a lot of the officials tied to FSU. They were very outspoken back in August when they were talking about formulating a plan to potentially get out of the ACC if they needed to. And again, I do think this is the first tangible step towards doing that because they do need the board's approval to take some sort of legal action. So I I think we'll learn a lot tomorrow. Um, I don't think it's going to be a very quick process um, because, as we all know, having tracked so many different legal Uh, cases and lawsuits in lots of different areas of college sports, these things tend to take a while. But, you know, again, this is the first time anyone is 
potentially going to actually challenge this legally binding document, and it could totally change the landscape of college sports if it's successful. Nicole, I realize we don't know precisely what they're going to do tomorrow, but you've talked to enough people inside that that bubble. Uh, what's the most likely outcome of tomorrow, and how does that set up the next move? Well, a lot of people have been speculating about some sort of declaratory judgment uh, filed for that. And the way that the simplest way it's been explained to me, again, I'm not a lawyer, is basically if you and I were having an argument and then we say, hey, pause, let me go to the judge and see if the argument that I'm making right. is valid before we continue it. Um, and it's, it's essentially that. So it would be looking at the grant of rights and if the interpretations are correct and if the parameters are correct of the way that they are being used. And so it's essentially a, it would be essentially asking for, um, you know, a decision against the actual grant of rights. Um, not so much like Florida State suing the ACC. It would be more about the document and about the interpretation of the document. So I think a lot of people have been speculating that that would be the course of action, which makes a lot of sense because, again, that's really what needs to be challenged. It is this one piece of the puzzle that would unlock a lot of other things. And even right now, we don't even know exactly how much money it would cost to to pay whatever that would cost to get their publicity rights back. So I think that that makes a lot of sense as, in terms of potential legal action that Florida State could greenlight tomorrow. Nicole, it's hard to imagine really much else going wrong for, for the ACC. Uh, so I bring that up knowing that that they have big-time lawyers like everyone else. Uh, they're well-prepared for this. But is there, is it, do you think or, or, or have people telling you that maybe, maybe there's just a point where the ACC lets them out in a way where it doesn't blow up the entire league? And I know that's a, that's a thin needle to thread, but, but they've got a lot at stake if some judge goes in and says, you know what, uh, we're going to uh, declare uh, this – unconstitutional or invalid, and then uh, right. everybody else can leave. Yeah, I, I've been thinking about that a lot because I do think that that is a, a possible outcome maybe that Florida State would love to have. You know, if you're able to reach some sort of essentially exit agreement with the ACC, put a dollar figure on it, and let both sides go their separate ways, that still gives Florida State what they want, which is the ability to talk to other conferences, the ability to figure out if and when they might be wanted and to get into a financial situation where they're not falling behind by $30 million per year in revenue like they are to their peers in the SEC and the Big Ten. So I think any sort of exit plan, even if it is you know coming to negotiate and settle and come to an agreement with the ACC, I think that is one of the possible outcomes that Florida State would, would certainly live with because it gets them where they want to be, which is not tethered to this contract that runs through 2036 when they look at the map and see how far they'll be falling behind even by the end of this decade. Nicole, uh, you're connected everywhere in college football. Uh, you do a part of a primetime show on NBC for the Big Ten during the season. So you know that league uh, extremely well. Uh, what can you tell us uh, in relation to where you think, assuming that this uh, school could talk, uh, the level of interest from the Big Ten, which just took in four new schools. Yeah, I mean, these, these leagues are getting really big, right? So I think you, you have to start by acknowledging that, that these conversations are a little different than they would have been 
even if we had them 30 years ago because of the sizes of these leagues. Um, I, I think that the natural the, the, the conversations we're all having at, at bars and over drinks about this stuff are the same conversations that everybody has about, okay, well, you know, what does it mean to be in the state of Florida and the fact that the SEC already has a flagship state school in that state that probably would not necessarily want Florida State to be there. And the fact that Greg Sankey has expressed contentment at 16 where they have been since adding OU in Texas. Um, and then, you know, the Big Ten, they have only in the expansion era when they've added members, they've all been AAU schools. And Florida State does not have that, that academic uh, uh, commendation right now, uh, distinguishment, uh, whatever the, uh, the accreditation is. So you have a couple things that like historically matter. But if you're thinking about new markets, you're thinking about new places to play games, to have your conference network, to... Um, to just have as part of your footprint for recruiting, those are all big benefits if you're the Big Ten and you're interested in getting into Florida. But I, I think you even have to take one step further back as you think about this because if this proves to be successful and that opens up the rest of the ACC, then you have a bunch of schools that I think both leagues would be interested in and then may need to act before the other. So I think up until this point, these conferences, these other conferences have been under the assumption these schools are unavailable. And that's the way industry sources have described it to me, that they've been unavailable. So even if they want out, you know, you don't know if you could take them because you don't know if they can get out. So if someone is able to get out from under this grant of rights, and that opens up different schools, different markets, different avenues for, these, for the SEC and the Big Ten to potentially go, I think you have totally different conversations than you've been having in the past. If there hasn't been interest or, you know, maybe just like a pie-in-the-sky conversation, so that's why I say that I think a lot of people are going to be watching what happens tomorrow and then potentially whatever happens if there is legal action taken, because even if you haven't been interested to date, you might be interested down the road knowing that someone is actually available. Plus, these are conferences that have been very, very careful about the way that they've gone about expansion for legal reasons and for tampering reasons. So you can't touch Florida State right now, especially understanding that there's probably going to need to be a legal dispute before they would be able to be a candidate for you. So, again, a lot of that stuff would open up if this is a successful challenge, if they do challenge it. And I think that's where, you know, you go down the road and you can weigh the pros and cons. But I just think it's a different conversation than it's been for both of those leagues because they've essentially been unavailable to date. I mentioned the two leagues that matter most. Um but do you think, and I don't, it's hard to imagine, but uh, that the Big 12, considering where its focus has been and, and really more, more of a tilt in some ways toward basketball uh, than, mm. than even continuing the football uh, approach, would, would, would look at the, would they, oh, excuse me, they would look at, Florida, they would look at the Big 12 as, as a landing spot or they just want to get out of where they are? Well, I don't think you go through all this hassle and potentially, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars in costs just to go to the Big 12 because you're in a in a league that is making comparable money. Right. Um, it will be in comparable footing to the Big 12. I would even argue in an expanded playoff era, you're going to have more national title contenders in the ACC, Florida State were to stay, alongside Clemson and, you know, if, if Miami ever gets back and some of those other schools than you would in the Big 12. So I don't think you go through all of this and jump through all those hoops to land in that league. I think you are looking at the two richest leagues, the schools that you're worried about falling $30 million a year behind, 
And then, you know, I talked to Michael Alford, the athletic director at Florida State, last month about independence, and he told me that that wasn't, didn't appear to be a real option for them, just considering where the media rights landscape is and the challenges with scheduling. But again, that is always on the table from, from a football standpoint as well. It's very difficult. It's very hard. But it is something that you can do. And again, if you perceive that your value is greater than what you're earning right now, that's one way to do it. So I would be surprised if, you know, they're jumping through all these hoops just to land up in the Big 12. But the Big 12 would certainly be interested in all that this is is happening as well because they've been trying to position themselves as the third strongest conference. So if the ACC were to break open, those schools become available, there would certainly be schools in that league that they would be interested in as well. And finally, Nicole, I mean, you, you're deeply ingrained uh, in that league. You went to school uh, in, the, in the Big Ten, and, and that AAU matters to them. Uh, it, it doesn't matter to a lot of people, maybe, but it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a very significant accreditation, and I, I think uh, Nebraska is the only non-AAU member. I, so that, that's just something that, to me that when those presidents get together, they talk about a lot, don't they? Yeah, they do. And even when Nebraska was added, they were an AAU member and then they lost okay. that accreditation. And that's something that bothers a lot of people in the Big Ten. So that is significant to them. And it was part of the reason that the schools from the West Coast, the specific ones that are coming, are coming to the Big Ten. But it's not all about academics. Obviously, they had an opportunity. They could have added Cal and Stanford, but they still want to bring the value, the, the schools, then the athletic departments that prioritize, invest in the sports that bring in a lot of money. So I do think that is such an important factor to keep in mind here. And it'd be fascinating to see, you know, as this gets further down the road, potentially, if that would be a sticking point for the Big Ten, because they do have such academic prestige, but they also have a lot of schools now. And, you know, if you have a school that's been trying to get up into that AAU status um, and maybe you could get there someday, is that someone you look at? We just don't know yet at this point. Amazing stuff. Great reporting and writing from Nicole Arabak from The Athletic. We'll take a short break. More on this as the day wears on, assuming there's something else going to happen before tomorrow morning. We'll be right back after this. You're listening to the Paul Feinbaum Show podcast. And welcome back. Great to have you with us. A lot lot happening the rest of the way. So let's uh, check in with Lee in Ohio. Hello, Lee. Hey, Paul, thanks for taking my call. Thank you, Lee. And the reason I'm calling is, I mean, I was, I was very happy with Billy Napier's hiring at Florida. I'm a big Florida fan, and I thought he was going to turn it around, and he obviously hasn't. And now that Florida probably has what could be considered the toughest schedule next year in the nation because every team they're playing, with the exception of one, is a Power 5 conference team. Um, that's a schedule that I think Napier's going to have to fall on that sword. He's, going to, he's not going to make it through next year. I don't see how really any coach can with who we have, but based on the fact that the his recruiting class was up so high that it plummeted, and with the fact that um, Florida's got such a tough schedule next year and the way they've been the past few years, I guess my question is: Is this has Florida become what I would consider like the SEC's version of Nebraska, where they were a great program for a long time, but now their best days are behind them, and I, it's they may not ever make it back up to that pinnacle? What do you think? Well, I don't believe that. Uh, because it's not only because of what they've done, because Nebraska did all the same things and it still hasn't come back, but I think Florida can come back. It, it, I, I'm not sure I understand completely the decision to keep him another year. I, I think 
I think some of it was that recruiting class that they committed to him and decided to back it up. I think it also could be the schedule. Uh, they saw the well, same the schedule. schedule. They saw that schedule months ago and thought, is that what you, do you want to subject a new coach to that schedule? I really don't know, but there is a, there, there's an everything's a, everything is on the line at, in Gainesville next fall. Well, bringing a new coach in with this schedule, that'd be like leading lambs to the yeah, slaughter. No, I, 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 don't think I wonder if coach, it, and there's no coach in his right mind no. that would have taken that job well, with that there, schedule coming Yeah, out. I mean, there may be one or two, but uh, I think they just felt uh, we, we have to remain committed. We're, we're, we'll either go down with the ship or he pulls it off. And I, I, I don't really know. Uh, it's, not even, it's not even the recruiting class because he's got a couple of really top players. It's the number of players that he's already lost from, from the previous class and the, and the class before that. And uh, ultimately, Billy Napier has, has a very bad story to sell. Uh, I've sat with him a number of times, and you, you can sell hope. Uh, and now I don't think anybody's listening to that, that sales pitch. Thank you for the call. Appreciate it very, very much. Let's check in with Bobby up next. Hey, Bobby. Hello, Mr. Feinbaum. I'm not an... Uh Alabama fan. I'm a SEC fan. And because of my father bringing me up that way, when he was playing in 1949, 50 and 51 with the old Mobile Bears, I have developed a fondness for the SEC. My question to you, number one, is I'm disappointed in the opportunity that they had with the scheduling. And I'd like to go into detail about that because I'm tired of seeing UMass, University of Louisiana, Monroe, and all these lower-tier people on the uh, schedule. With the opportunity that they had, we could have put several other big-time programs within the out-of-town ball games. And that by doing that, we would have a better product to bring to the people of the SEC. Lastly, I have seen this portal. I have seen this scheduling. I have seen this over and over again with the threat of leaving conferences and major conferences getting bigger. Is there ever a thought in your mind that there ever would be, instead of an increase a decrease of the lower scheduling teams in college for instance the sec and i don't mean to pick on them but say vanderbilt being proposed to leave the sec by the sec remaining members bobby i i don't believe that uh, anyone is ever going to get kicked out of the league for not winning enough football games the ties are deep and I think that would never be on the table. Thank you for the call. Eddie is up next. Hey, Paul. Hello, Eddie. I was, um, I was wondering about the uh, Missouri and the Ole Miss two games. Who do you think was going to win those two? Well, I think, uh, Eddie, I like Missouri against Ohio State. And I think because Ohio State is just a program that probably uninterested in the bowl game, and that's always a recipe for disaster. I feel like Ole Miss has got 
the momentum going too. They've, they've dropped a couple of bowl games, so I think uh, Kiffin is probably is going to take a little bit of a different approach here. So uh, I'd like both of them to win. Thank you for the call. We, let me regroup. Uh, we have had Nicole on talking about the biggest college football story of the day. Usually there's almost nothing going on right now, but that Florida State story is certainly percolating a lot of uh, airtime. We'll delve back into it again. We'll do one more recap of recruiting. Uh, we have plenty of time for your phone calls. And then our final hour, of course, we will devote to uh, our friend Archbishop Marino. And we're coming right back. You're listening to the Paul Feinbaum Show podcast.